was a good friend of mine. Hello and welcome to the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. My name is Kyle Case and I'll be your host on this amazing journey as we attempt to help you get the most out of your life. I'm flying solo today as my co-pilot Lil Baron is out of the office. I hope everyone enjoyed their Thanksgiving holiday. I know I did. Time with friends and family and loved ones, it seems like it's always worth it. You know, for this show, over the years, we've got a few, I feel like they're reoccurring themes that keep coming up. And they come up because they're important. And it just so happens that sleep is one of them. So today I found an article on CNET that digs into common things that contribute to insomnia and what to do about it. Now, if you're like me and you've ever found yourself tossing and turning in bed, desperately trying to sleep, you're really not alone. This could be a sign that you have insomnia, which is one of the most common sleep disorders, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And while countless individuals do live with this disorder, there is hope for improved sleep. But if it continues to go unchecked, it can really wreak havoc on your overall health. So today I want to explore just a few things that many people do before bed that can contribute to insomnia and then what you can do to ensure that every night is a restful one. So the first one is lack of stress management. Now, Stress triggers the release of cortisol, which is a hormone that influences the natural sleep-wake cycle. And as a result, when stress levels are elevated, it can be challenging to unwind, leading to sleep disturbances and insomnia. According to the American Institute of Stress, 55% of Americans find themselves stressed during the day. And unfortunately, this stress doesn't disappear at night. So if you too are dealing with high amounts of stress, you'll want to learn how to manage it. Your best course of action is to practice stress reduction techniques such as deep breathing, meditation, maybe a little bit of yoga. Additionally, regular exercise is a powerful stress reliever and can improve sleep quality. That's number one. Number two, an irregular sleep schedule. The Mayo Clinic identified an irregular sleep schedule as a cause of insomnia. Without a consistent schedule, you disrupt your circadian rhythm, which is the rhythm that regulates the sleep-wake cycle. It disrupts your hormone production and other physiological processes. And uh, if you have an irregular sleep schedule, you'll confuse your body's internal clock. And this can prevent melatonin, which is the sleep hormone, from being released at the appropriate time, making it harder to fall asleep and wake up at a reasonable time. To establish a sleep routine, go to bed and wake up at the same time every day. This will allow your body to adjust to consistent sleep patterns so you can get to sleep easier and experience a healthy, restful sleep. And there are a number of other factors like unbalanced diet, sedentary lifestyle, exposure to blue light at night, as well as medical conditions or uh, medications that can contribute to insomnia. The last one I want to briefly touch on is this, and that's environmental factors. The ambience of your your sleep environment should be considered as a factor when you're battling insomnia. To optimize your sleep and ensure you get a good night's rest, maintain an ideal bedroom temperature of 60 degrees to 71.6 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, that's on the cool side, but I can attest that's the way I like to sleep. I like to have a nice cool room. Uh, you want to minimize noise disruptions by using fans or white noise machines and noise blocking curtains. And you want to try to aim for a darker room at night as well to promote relaxation and better sleep. 
Since these adjustments align with the body's natural temperature fluctuations and circadian rhythms, they foster an environment conducive to restful sleep. So there you go. Just a few ideas on how you can combat insomnia if that's a problem that you have. And again, that's a really significant problem all around the nation and all around the world. Today's guest, Misty Miller, grew up near Lake Tahoe where she loved bridge jumping, cliff jumping, and rock climbing, both with ropes and free soloing. One of her favorite experiences was participating in a Guinness World, Guinness Book of World Records event bridge jump off the Forest Hill Bridge in Auburn, California. Listen to this, free falling 1,200 feet before rope tension transitioned her into a huge swing. What the heck? Where do I sign up for that, right? Professionally, Misty spent over a decade in the veterinary field where she developed a passion for a wide variety of biological sciences. In 2014, she decided to transition to medical massage for humans. After obtaining multiple certifications in various massage modalities, Misty now has a private practice where she performs body work, including both therapeutic and medical massage. Outside of work, Misty still enjoys rock climbing as well as trail running and cycling and Misty, welcome to the show. Thank you. We're going to get into the important stuff. We're going to talk about massage and the importance of that. But seriously, 1,200 feet. Yeah. Yeah, it was insane. That is insane. So when you were a little girl and your mom said, if all your friends jumped off of a bridge, would you jump too? Your (laughs) your answer had to have been an emphatic (laughs) yes. It was not. (laughs) And I did not plan to do it that day either. It was a spontaneous invitation. Wow. I was there as um, a rigging person in the rigging crew. Okay. And the last minute, the guy who was in charge of everything was like, hey, want to do it? And of and course I you did. Was out of my mind, I couldn't believe I was doing. <laughs> I couldn't believe I was doing. The whole body is shaking as you're standing on the edge. Yeah, I mean, it's like sewing machine. It's Your significant. Whole body is shaking. It's a big deal. So yeah. I went skydiving a, a few weeks ago for the very first okay. time ever, and um, it was amazing. Like it was amazing. I would recommend it to anybody. Yeah. But 1,200 feet of yeah. free fall caught by a rope. So what was the Guinness record part of it? Was it like the most number of people jumping or was it the distance? It was the the height that you fell? What was the... So it had never been done before. So there's bungee jumping, which is completely different because you really get about a third of the free fall that you yeah, do with and the climbing the, ropes. And then the elastic and will kind of catch you. And then you're, get, catch you're getting you. slowed down about yeah. a third of the way down. And so two thirds of your event is stretching and rebound. Yeah. And so we're using dynamic climbing ropes. So it's 100% free falling. And then your transition from falling to swinging sideways, you feel like you're in a jet engine. Oh, yeah. The transition is so powerful. So would you do it again? No. Oh, no. wow. No, no hesitation. Not. No Absolutely. hesitation. I, was, I had the opportunity. He invited <laughs> me a couple succumbed. years later, and I was like, You succumbed to no. peer pressure. <laughs> well, it, it's more like if I have a moment to think about what I'm doing, I do the right thing. Yeah. But if you're faced with it without. Right, yeah. in the moment, in the yeah, moment. Yeah, it was Well, it what, was an, what an experience. But yeah. you still like to rock climb. Yeah. Do you do? Do you still free solo, or do you like to do it with the on ropes? Smaller stuff, yeah. bouldering and things. Okay. I think trail running is probably my number one event okay. that I love the most. All right. Dabbling in pickleball a little bit. Yeah. But well, that's fun. The trail running is my favorite. Well, when you're old enough, which I know is a few years away, <laughs> right. but when you're old enough to compete in the World Senior Games, we have trail running, we have pickleball, <laughs> oh, yeah. and we're going to introduce in 2024 rock climbing. Oh. So mm, keep, your eye, okay, keep your okay. eye on that. Keep your eye on that because that might be good something to you know. Could do. Inside scoop. Okay. So. 
we're going to get into massage. This is the important thing. This is why you've come to visit with us. I do. I want to just jump right into it and understand terminology. What is the difference between therapeutic massage and advanced medical massage? Good. That's a good question. And I think that's one in our community, especially that's really quite part of the subject matter too, is um, therapeutic massages um, used for, you know, aches and pains, relaxation, um, stress reduction, yeah. general like overall well-being type stuff. Medical massage usually is an approach where there's an actual goal in mind and um, and there's a measurement of success and progress. Okay. And so it's done very clinically. Um, and it, you use, you know, basic clinical modality, methodology to measure and keep track of your progress. Um, most of the um, clients that come in as a medical um, client are typically referred from a doctor. Okay. And so, you know, the doctor comes in with a, you know, formal referral. The client will come in with a formal referral from a doctor. And um, we can also, um, some um, insurances will um, allow us to use it. Okay. Um, because it's um, measurable. Yeah. So, and it's clinical. And it's clinical. So when you're talking about just like, oh, I want to go get a Swedish massage, for example, that is not what you're talking about. What you're talking about right. is something separate. It's it's almost like a prescription, maybe, yeah. or a recommendation from a doctor. What kinds of things would you come in for that you're hoping to improve on? Uh, are we talking about still sore muscles, or are we talking about other things? Well, it's important as a medical practitioner that you understand kinesiology movement, sports movement, and the different kinds of sports that athletes are using. Um, probably 90% of my clientele is the 50 and older uh, community. Okay. And they're almost all athletes. Yeah. And these are the population of people who are actually really interested in continuing their health and their speed and their recovery. And most importantly, they don't want to be injured. Yeah. And so. For sure. We definitely don't want to be injured, right? Yeah. But injury happens, comes, especially as we get a little bit older and um, muscles don't recover as quickly. Our elasticity is declining somewhat. And so it's important as a therapist that you understand those, um, you know, those parameters of where people are at. Um, yeah. So. So it, it is kind of still sore muscles and, and injuries and things that you're working on. But you're talking about being able to measure progress. So talk a little bit about that. What does that look like? Do you start off with, I can I can move my shoulder this this distance, but right. after additional massage, I can move it more. Is right. that the type of thing you're looking for? So people have a complaint. You know, that's usually what someone's going to come in for, or even be seeking out for something besides just regular therapeutic or relaxation type massage. And so most often people go to their chiropractor first because chiropractors are like our hands-on doctors, you mm -hmm. know. And um, they're searching for an answer to a certain pain going on or a restriction or limitation in their range of motion in their shoulder, their arm, their hip, their knee or something like that. Um, oftentimes those limitations are ignored. They ignore things for a long time, or, <laughs> right? Or we medicate it. We're doing ibuprofen right. and Aleve and we're trying to do all these things to just try to put it off. Yeah. Thinking our body's going to recover like it used to. And then that's usually when an injury will occur. And so... Um, and, you know, like my last um, clients recently, the pickleball, because we just had the big games come through. Yeah, and, we did. Um, so I get a lot of um, my clients, returning clients or people who are getting ready for their competition. They want to make sure they're in really good fit shape and that there's no snags and hangups and things. And yeah. so a lot of the people that 
I work with regularly are um, preparing for or recovering from events. And so without like getting, it's, it's hard to understand without seeing it, I'm sure, but um, are you doing different kinds of exercises or are you reaching different pressure points? Like, uh, I love what you're saying and I'm sitting here thinking my neck has been sore for a very long time and I'm I'm thinking there might be another you know approach. another solution uh, another yes. approach for mm-hmm. me but how what does it look like and, yeah, and how is it different from yeah. just going to a massage and getting a Swedish yeah. yeah so someone will come into the office and I have different techniques for measuring the level of pain they're in and so we're going to get um, on the same playing field with our description of pain so that we're speaking the same language, you know, okay. and we usually use a number one to 10 and then we describe what each of those levels mean and how they interpret pain inside their own body. Okay. So and one being low and 10 being like, 10 you're, being you're, high, to pass out. you're yeah. basically in the fetal position. Yeah. A 10 is pretty intense. Pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. Even though they'll be like, I'm at a hundred, you know, and yeah. you're like, I don't <laughs> think so, but let's talk about that. <laughs> But yeah, so, you know, I'll get like a, just a description from them verbally about how they're feeling in their body. And I'm watching because people will touch the areas and they'll, while they're talking, they're kind of demonstrating what it is that creates pain. And I'm just furiously typing away most of the time. And um, then when they're done telling me about it, that's when I start questioning them. You know, does this happen first thing in the morning? Do you feel more pain in the in the, in the early part of the day? Or do you feel more pain at the end of the day? And those kind of questions let me know like they're not getting restful sleep because they're waking up in pain which means that they're not resting well and but if their pain is more often at the end of the day then I'm like oh there must be posture they're overusing so I know that by the end of the day they're tired you know so okay okay. there's different cues depending on the questions that will kind of let me know what they're doing and then I'm going to question how do you sleep do you sleep on your side on your back you know on your head like how how are you sleeping because that position right there is major about how you're going to feel when you wake up in the morning. Yeah. The body needs to be in its proper anatomical position to heal correctly while you're sleeping in that rim space where you only get those three to four hours where you're yeah. actually recovering. And we were just talking about the importance of sleep. I loved it. And how um, what you're talking about, this discomfort or pain is definitely going to be a factor Big time. in that as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So interesting. So you, you have an evaluation. You kind of visit with people. You try to get an idea of where they're coming from. And and to some degree, try to figure out if there's a cause, like you said, posture or whatever. Um, so that's interesting. I think many of us feel tension or stress or, or, or pain or soreness. How do we know when just, you know, like a, like a Swedish massage is going to work? And how do we know when we need to take the next step? Well, I'm a little biased, I suppose, because I think <laughs> you're, everyone should be. You're allowed to be. You're be, about allowed to be a little biased. I think everyone should be with a medical practitioner just because of the way our bodies are. Um, but I also know that there is it's just so nice to just get a therapeutic massage. I have some clients that just sometimes they come in and they're just like, look, I don't want to work today Yeah. because we work, you know, they're just like, I don't want to work today. I just want to relax. Can you just g- give me it? They'll just say, can you just give me a basic, you know, and <laughs> give me a basic. Yeah, I like that. And I'm like, absolutely. And we don't even have to talk. Like yeah. we don't have to talk about what's going on. Nothing, you know, and they just, they just want to flop down on their belly and check out and yes. we go from head to toe and just give them that more of a therapeutic, you know, but oftentimes there's a deeper problem and you're going to help solve that. So here, so here's my question. Um, and this is going to be related to me because my neck hurts Perfect. and it has hurt yeah. for a long time. I, time. I heard Let's it in, hear it. I heard it in, in a wrestling Turn match. Turn to your side. Let me look at your ago. posture. Yeah. I got to look at you, Kyle. Yeah. 
pretty straight. I don't know. You're tilting pretty. back a little bit. You got a little <laughs> bit of a head tilt. We'll, we'll talk about well, it. Well, I'm trying to keep my headphones on yeah. my head. So, <laughs> um, so I have two questions and they're, they're both related, but, um, number one is like, if I cut myself, all I have to do is hold the skin together and it's going to heal. But it feels like if you pull a muscle or you tear a muscle, like at least my experience has been is that that's a different process. It doesn't heal as observably, let me say that. And then second of all, when I have pulled a muscle or, or strained something or hurt myself, the first thing I want to do is like kind of rub on it and, and stretch it. And uh, your information says that maybe that's not the best thing to do. Perfect. So yeah. why, why does it not heal in a way that's like just automatic and observable and then why should you not stretch and rub okay so it depends on the degree that you're talking about of injury because because you mentioned two things like when i strain it but if you tear a muscle depending on the degree of rupture okay, okay. so if it's just like minimal rupture just the edge of it and we're still functional but there's just high levels of pain but the muscle is still able to function even though it's weaker because of the pain okay there's definitely gonna it's definitely gonna heal okay? okay and obviously you can't observe it because it's under the skin right okay if it were exposed we didn't have that skin there we kind of see it heal kind of in the same way that your skin does okay but there'll be some scarring just like on the skin there's scarring you really can't see it underneath the skin may adhere to that lower fascial level and have all kinds of little fissures and things inside of there because of that scarring okay you can't really see it on the external side because it just looks healed maybe just a tiny little white mark for your yeah scar. and i'm okay. not talking about seeing it visually it's yeah. more about the way that it feels like yeah. you know i get a cut my my skin heals right. and i and it doesn't hurt anymore but like I said, I, I hurt my neck like nine years ago, yeah. and it's been pretty and constant so, since then. Right, and so that just goes into the functionality because of the muscles, they're actually functionally moving in order. So there's a contraction that has to happen in order to move two bones on either side yeah, of the joint. that makes okay? sense. So that's the function of the muscle. And so if it gets torn or strained, what ends up happening is the body splints. Okay. Okay. And the way the body splints is there's certain chemicals that are released during an injury. Okay. They go to the spinal cord. They send back to the muscles all around it, telling it everything to start contracting. Okay. Okay. And so even though, you know, maybe your tears, you know, or your strain or whatever is just an eighth of an inch or even less, you yeah. know, um, it's going to cause all of the surrounding muscles around it to have a response to it with the splinting of this contraction to try to immobilize the joint okay so because we it, have an instability ideally so it can heal that's right. what the body's trying to do and so what what ends up happening and this is like we're talking about like a trauma or an injury okay which is sometimes a little bit different than some other like myofascial pain is a little bit different than what we're talking about now okay which i deal with both okay, okay. but <clears throat> with with the trauma when we have that injury that splinting is going to happen for quite a while okay while it's healing, one of the problems that happens in our bodies is, is that when we have a joint that's splinted naturally, okay, we lose our range of motion. Things get really stiff. It hurts to move. And yeah. we can't really physically move because there's so much tension in the muscle. So <clears throat> while it's healing, there's immobility. We get that scarring. And now it's just kind of stuck there, almost like glue in that little area. So then when that tight muscle area goes away and you try and stretch that muscle out or, or contract it so that it's regularly functioning, it's a little bit shorter than it was before. Plus, there's all of these scarring like fingers type thing that go into all the surrounding area that can cause sensations, not always pain, but it kind of feel like tension, like yeah. you want to stretch that out or it just feels like sometimes even that scarring can cause a, a later injury if you move on it really hard okay. and like yank and pull back on your paddle or something. 
you can end up with another tear, but in the surrounding area on the outside of that scar. And then it just keeps adding to it and adding and to it. Yeah, right? you just end up with these chronic situations of either pain, immobility, and weakness. Okay. So that's like for an acute injury, like when you actually have a trauma to a muscle. There's another kind of pain that is way more common. People do get injured, and I see a lot of it. But I think more common and mysterious these days is this myofascial Let's talk subject. about that. Yeah. Expl- explain what that means. So it's so myofascial pain is uh, is the the feedback that the body gives due to a trigger point being present. Okay. okay. So trigger points aren't that new. This stuff is way. I mean, over a hundred years ago, they were describing trigger points in the tissue, and they would call it like. Um, thickened tissue or scarring. They would call it these different terms. And now the the medical term today is called taut. Okay, so you have a taut fiber, T-A-U-G-H-D, taut. Okay. Taut fibers. And what happens, a trigger point is called a trigger point because where the problem is, like where the pain is, like where you're experiencing pain, isn't where the actual problem is. And so like the thing I say in my office, I try to tell people is like, where the pain is, the problem isn't. Because okay. they'll come in and they're pointing to something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm working somewhere else. They're like, wait, Misty, yeah, did you remember yeah, that I'm I actually to this. Yeah. over here? Especially when they're talking about the low back, because I'll work in through the abdomen to treat the psoas muscle, which attaches there. And they're like, she's a weirdo. Like, she's like, <laughs> it's work. Right? She's like working through my abdomen, you know, but then their back starts feeling better. They're like, what in the world is going on? It's very mysterious. Okay. But so a taut fiber happens. So muscles have contraction, and then muscle fibers will have what's called a contracture. Okay. okay. And so a contraction is when the whole muscle is working together as a group in its natural way, where it's pulling two bones together with a joint in the middle, and there's a, a base and a, and a farther area, and they're pulling them closer together. Okay. And what happens inside the, the muscle fibers is there's hundreds and thousands of muscle fibers as we start to get yeah, on that yeah. microscopic level. and one little muscle so if you can imagine like a a curtain rod okay and the curtains come across and you just by hand slide them open and you slide them closed so you kind of imagine the muscle fiber is kind of like the curtain rod okay and the cells will slide back and forth on that depending on the atp process that happens we're burning energy and you know using calcium all these things to make the muscle do this contraction and so one of those fibers will have an overload or um, an underload per se, you know. And what happens is that fiber, that curtain on the rod gets stuck closed. Uh, Okay, okay. okay? And it literally forms this bigger bulky space right in the middle of the muscle fiber. Mm -hmm. And it'll affect hundreds of them within one muscle fiber where you can palpate that area and it feels hard to the touch. Feels they call them knots. I feel like I have a knot or my muscle is so contracted right there. They typically don't even really hurt until you actually touch them. So most of the time, you don't even know that that bundled space is even there. Yeah. Unless someone touches you or grabs your shoulder yeah, or something, you're, you're like, oh my gosh, you're singing that hurts my song so here. So bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, what ends up happening is that trigger point, even though there isn't necessarily pain right on it, it shares the same neurological pathway of another area of the body. Ah, uh, okay. And so, so, oftentimes you're working on the other area. And that gets the job done. Well, the other area is usually where the pain is. Okay. But that's not where the problem is. Or the problem is. So I'm usually working on the trigger point where they're like, no, it was my shoulder. Why are you working back on my rhomboids? Like in between the shoulder blades. Why are you working there? I told you it was the outside of my shoulder. 
Interesting. Okay. It's very, it's a phenomenon. It's a scientific phenomenon that has a ton of research on it right now. And it's super fun to work with because it's so predictable. I mean, it's mapped out. There's books on it. It's super predictable. And it's, it's just fascinating. Cool. So, yeah. We're out of time. I oh, wish that we had more time. Wow. All right. Really quickly, is there a website that someone could go to for additional information? Or do they need to reach out to a, a therapeutic massage um, therapist? I have, well... For, or a medical for information. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can get a lot of information like about trigger point therapy and body work. Um, there's a, a website called Coaching the Body. It's one of my favorite ones to go to. They have a lot of videos and stuff there. Okay. And the founder there is Chuck Duff. Awesome. He's super cool. Yeah. And then how would people get a hold of you if they wanted additional information? I'm on the on the internet. Um, it's Bodyworks Advanced Medical Massage. Body Works Advanced Medical Massage. And Body Works is spelled B-O-D-Y capital D or capital W, one word, Body Works with an X. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Misty, for coming and visiting with us and sharing some uh, really important and interesting information. Um, I might need to have a consultation with you later. Absolutely. (laughs) I'll try and help you out, get your neck straight. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much once again for for joining us today. Just a couple of things to wrap us up here. And I can't believe I am saying this, but I am saying it. Team registration opens on January 1st, and that is just a few weeks away. So if you're a coach or a team manager, you need to start preparing for team registration. Many of our team sports fill up in just a matter of hours or days, so you'll want to prepare for that. All the information you need to know about that is at SeniorGames.net. Remember to tune in live next and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time on AM 1450 or FM 93.1 for the Huntsman World Senior Games active life we take this live show and turn it into a podcast and you can subscribe anywhere podcasts are found you can also find this and previous shows right on our website at seniorgames.net so check that out today's inspirational thought and i really like this one people who wonder if the glass is half full or half empty miss the point the glass is refillable until next thursday stay active stay active